Hey everybody, it's Jay Keith. Thanks so much for listening to Go Fact Yourself. We've got a great new episode here. Just before we get started, I wanted to let you know, it may say in your podcast feed that this is our 100th episode. Why aren't we celebrating our 100th episode? Well, we've actually done a few best of episodes, so this is not our 100th show that we're doing. So we've got something special planned for that. It's going to be in February. We'll have an announcement for that very soon. It should involve you being able to see and hear us record the show live. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this not really 100th episode of Go Fact Yourself. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, Jay Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Great to see you again. Nice to see you. I have some personal news to share. Uh, my girlfriend is going to be moving in in the next month or so. Oh! taking the next step. The next step indeed. I know that you in the last year uh, moved into a new home with another person. That person is your sister. Yes. Uh, but, but still, I imagine, were there things you had to uh, deal with and changes you had to make to combine your homes into a new one? Because maybe I could learn from that. 100%. My sister and I could not be more different in every way. She is a minimalist I am a borderline hoarder. <laughs> she, she likes things clean and neat, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just like to see clutter. Apparently, wow. So, how did you uh, reconcile that, or have you? No, there is no reconciliation. Oh, uh, yeah, there is no. I mean, luckily, you know, we have our own room, so my room is just a hoarding, slobby mess, and uh-huh. my sister's is is just this antiseptic. <laughs> Sterile, <laughs> sterile I'm not environment. Sure, that's going to work in my situation because I'm pretty <laughs> sure we'll be sharing a bedroom. I know that's the thing is that because you're combining, you, you're you're taking a space for that was normally inhabited by one person and adding right. a whole another person. You yes. are going to have to get rid of some of your stuff to make room for her stuff. And I know, having been to your place, you have yes. a lot of stuff. I do have a lot of stuff. I, here's what I've learned since we've talked about moving in and, and what she needs in order to make it happy for her, which I'm happy to accommodate. It turns out I have more bobbleheads than I need. Yes. Um, you do have out, a lot of bobbleheads. <laughs> I do. Uh, it turns out that my couch smells like cheese. Oh. Uh, and I not did... in a good way. No. Mm. <laughs> so I will be getting a new couch. And also, apparently, I don't need to keep every souvenir from every trip I've ever taken. Wow. This is a big step for you, Jay Keith. You're growing. I think I might be. You're you're growing. You're progressing. You're evolving as a human. You're making space in your life. I am just as surprised as you are. Wow. <laughs> Jay Keith, I'm happy for you. Congrats. Well, well, thank you so much. Hopefully, we will not have a further update <laughs> to this <laughs> announcement that we have to edit in. Very awkwardly in this episode. (laughs) Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is a comedian, writer, and podcaster who can often be heard as a panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and whose stand-up special, Warn Your Relatives, is available on Netflix. It's Hari Kandabalu. Hello, Hari. Hello. 
So wonderful to have you here. Now, Helen mentioned that you appear on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Helen, you also appear on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Is that how you two know each other? No, we actually predate our Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me uh, appearances. We know each other from the stand-up scene in New York City. Right, Harry? Yeah, actually, we met for the first time in Seattle, Washington. Oh, my gosh, that's right. The pinnacle of the New York comedy scene. (laughs) (laughs) Were we at Bumbershoot? No, we were uh, at the Comedy Underground. I think you were visiting a friend who does comedy. Like, oh. I met you there, and I'm like, oh, cool. And and then I'm like, I kept seeing your name everywhere, and I'm like, oh, my God, tell him. And then Yay. you're together. Yay, indeed. Let's talk about how a lot of people know of you is uh, for this movie that you made called The Problem with Apu, which is now available on HBO Max. It really struck a chord with people and started a conversation that I think a lot of people hadn't had before. Were you expecting it to make such a difference? I knew that it was going to be a conversation starter just because no one had ever really criticized anything about The Simpsons so that already Mm. and plus the fact that like it was a completely new angle for most of America the idea of Apu being even kind of problematic so I knew that I didn't think it would be a conversation that continued for like three or four years around the world including places where the documentary is not even available Mm. Uh, and that's me misunderstanding the internet and the fact (laughs) that You don't need to watch things or read things to be able to comment on them. (laughs) Where in the world was the doc not available that this conversation Most places. It it was available in just the U.S. for the longest (gasps) time. What? It's like region by region had to make a deal to get the documentary. So, like, I'm getting death threats in Australia, and I'm like, you should not be making those death threats until, like, two or three months from now when it becomes available. Whoa. (laughs) So I knew it was going to like have an impact but not this long this violent this aggressive and this effective well that's what i was going to ask about yeah the uh, changes actually happened really as a result of of, of the documentary you made tell us a little bit about the changes that you've seen since and, and are you satisfied with them a couple of things i mean first of all i think the documentary like whether they keep the character or not is not really that important to me it's more about the discussion about the thing in fact oh we never got to talk about this right it's to put this out there so people don't forget like even up to 2000 and and whatever we're still using these kind of caricatures old tropes right and all this stuff that happened after with different actors choosing not to do voices you know i'd like to think maybe this opened up the conversation for some people but i think there was a lot of other things happening in the world that probably triggered that but i i feel like i contributed to the conversation yeah and, and by the way i pardon me for being naive i didn't mean i didn't mean to imply that like you fixed racism or anything right or... right right i think the things that that changed afterwards i think you know what sounded to some ears as another you know maybe minority and a liberal whining about something yeah. within a short period of time became, uh, I guess he has a point. Last thing I want to ask you about, people are very familiar with your work as a comedian. They may not be as familiar with some of your background. I read that you have a master's in human rights from the London School of Economics. I'm curious why that topic appealed to you. And also, economics and human rights don't seem to be a natural uh, fit that go together. What was it like to study that topic in that environment? They're very much connected because a lot of the human rights issues that we deal with have to do with economics and who's getting resources and who isn't and That certainly, I realize on paper it doesn't look like it. They seem really antithetical. But, like, going through that master's program, like, oh, my God, like, this makes sense. Oh, I I just meant I didn't think that an economic school would want to acknowledge that. Well, no, because they got my tuition money regardless. So (laughs) they might as well fess up. It doesn't really matter. Um, Yeah, I mean, my background was always in, like, 
human rights organizing. I was an immigrant rights organizer in Seattle before I became a professional stand-up comedian. And that's the career I thought I was going in before. I guess people liked my stand-up and I could actually do that for a living. It's weird. It's like a completely different field that is equally not lucrative. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to see you continue that mission of human rights through your comedy. I think it's very inspiring and cool. Thanks so much for being here. It's Hari Kondabolu. Thank you. Helen, against whom will Hari be competing? She is an award-winning comedian, writer, and podcaster who hosts the podcasts Who Hurt You and Bad People. It's Sophie Hagen. Hello, Sophie Hagen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. And I understand that you have a uh, history with Hari as well. <laughs> that, that sounds gloomy, doesn't it? Oh. Uh, yeah. You've, <laughs> you have a history. Yes. Uh, you have a wait, problematic history with Hari we as well. go way no, back. No, no. Yes. I voiced Apu, uh, unfortunately. Oh, that was you. <laughs> wow. What a twist. <laughs> Hari did my first and second podcast. And then we did a benefit gig together in London as well. We did. Yes. Yeah, that was nice. You are from Denmark. You live in the UK. Moving to the UK, was there a big culture shock for you as far as a, a new uh, environment? It was, but I didn't know till it was too late. Oh, no. <laughs> I treated it as, like, as I would Denmark, mm-hmm. meaning that I was so rude for <laughs> so long without knowing it. To a British person, if they say, hi, how are you? And then you go, I'm tired and walk away. You are the worst person in the world. And I didn't know that for like six months, a year that I'd just been oh. so rude to everyone I I'm met. looking forward to uh, visiting Denmark where I don't have to uh, pretend to be polite and ask them questions back. Oh, you absolutely don't. It's emails between like Danish professionals. It's always just like, hey, do my show. And then you reply, nah. Oh, okay. Like there's none of all of that sort of, hi, how are you? I I, I am contacting you in regards to, and I hope that you would be on it. None of that. Like it's quick and very direct. Excellent. Well, I will keep that in mind uh, (laughs) as the chill falls over the podcast. You have a comedy (laughs) tour called Fat Jokes. You had a successful book called Happy Fat. I've read that you said you're not for body positivity, but for fat liberation. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. That's very interesting to me. Sort of simply put, body positivity is love your body, Mm -hmm. but fat liberation, it's not about you. It's not about your body. It's about changing the system. So medical fat phobia, legal fat phobia, fat phobia in the media and basically just making sure that fat people have the same rights mm. as uh, people who are not fat which if you look into it it's it's horrific how <laughs> how much of a difference there is well speaking of things that might be hurtful to people uh, you have a podcast that you host called who hurt you where you talk to people on very serious topics uh, you describe it as an interview podcast about why we are the way we are what, what have you learned so far i started the podcast in 2016 because i wanted to find out how to do life because I felt like I didn't know how to be a proper human being mm. and everyone around me I thought oh they all know they're so cool and they know how to do everything and then as I was speaking to all of these people that I looked up to and admired I realized oh none of us know <laughs> we're all just confused and weird and we're just, we're all just pretending <laughs> that we know what we're doing yeah the older I get the more I find that as well that pe- people are just doing the best they can and getting by and faking it till they make it last thing I want to ask you about by the time people are listening to this you'll have done something very special with your stand-up material tell us about that well I will have put a show on YouTube for free I haven't done that before I've been very g- give me your money about mm-hmm. my stand-up <laughs> yes there, <laughs> but, there, uh... there's that Danish directness coming through again <laughs> Well, I do like paying rent. Uh, it's, it's a little hobby of mine. 
<laughs> but I'm putting my show called Generation Boy Band Fan on YouTube, which is a show about how I used to be a very, very big fan of an Irish boy band called Westlife. But anyone can watch it if you just know what a boy band is. I just okay. want to say that to all the US What listeners. made you make the decision to, to drop a free stand-up special? Because I'm still in the please give me your money for my, <laughs> for my comedy phase of my career. <laughs> I mean, not to be so... Ugh, about it, but I feel very humbled that people were so kind to continue to support me and watch my online shows. And, you know, I was filming my my latest special and I thought we already have the cameras out, so I'll do two shows in a night and we'll get the second one as well. Ugh. Wow. Ugh, humble people. They're the worst. Ugh, right? It's so wanky, <laughs> isn't it? Well, congratulations on that. I'm sure people will enjoy checking that out. And thank you so much for joining us tonight, Sophie Hagen. All right, Hari and Sophie, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Hari, you told us you know a lot about Untamed Heart, the Hindu epic Ramayana, particularly Ramanan Sagar's miniseries version from the 1980s, and Weezer before the Green Album. We always appreciate specifics. Whereas Sophie, you told us you know a lot about the Danish film, oh boy, here we go, Kyrgyzpal film? <laughs> Is that at all close? I'm guessing I'm guessing from your rollicking laughter, pushing yourself away from your desk, that I may have slightly missed that. No, that was very creative. Oh. Uh, it's called Kalehul Perfilm, which directly translated means Kalehul is love. So Kalehul Perfilm on film. So love on film. Love on but film. The, but the English, the English title is just another love story, oh boy. which I don't think is as good of a title. All right. You told us you know a lot about a certain Danish movie, the musical Phantom of the Opera. And this will not surprise anyone who knows you, the Irish boy band Westlife through 2004. Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Upstairs Made. First up is Hari with Upstairs. Hari, while both might refer to a place upstairs in a building, what's the difference between a story and a floor? A story and a floor. Oh, uh, I'd imagine that a, a floor is literally like one staircase to the next, and a story can uh, is like a, a larger segment of a building and would have a series of floors. A series of floors to make up a story. All right, we've got Hari's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Sophie, what do you think? I would guess, and I will just you know, remind everyone, second language, I will guess, <laughs> <laughs> story would be if it's within the same... Like house or home or office, mm -hmm. but if it's a floor, that's if it separates like flats or apartments. I see. And by the way, are you going to be using it's my second language as an excuse throughout yeah. today's show? Okay, good. Good to know. We'll, okay, great. We'll be grading yeah. on a curve. And I just, I just learned English today, so oh, wow. everything In I say case, is very impressive. Wow. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. All right. Well, this segment is hitting the floor. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. You might live in a 40-story high-rise on the 32nd floor, but you wouldn't live in a 40-floor high-rise on the 32nd story because story describes how many levels are in a building. Floor describes a specific level. That's right. Also, in America, story is spelled S-T-O-R-Y. In England, they spell it S-T-O-R-E-Y. Also in England, they spell elevator L-I-F-T. 
Helen, how did our guest do? I'm not sure either one of you got that one correct. That's interesting because I am sure that they did not. (laughs) (laughs) But it was still a valiant effort on both of your parts, but no points there. All right, up next in Upstairs Made, it's Sophie with Made. Sophie, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I'll let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, hit it. Hi, Jay Keith, Helen, and guests. This is Ken Murphy from Oakland, California. My question for What's the Difference is, while they both could be well-made or poorly made, What's the difference between goods that are made of something and made from something? Love the show. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Ken. All right, Sophie, you heard the question from Ken. What is the difference between made of and made from? And again, everyone, please keep in mind, this is a language you just learned today. See, the thing is, I know the answer in Danish, but I just... Oh, you can say it in Danish. So, no, don't worry about it. It's I wouldn't do that to you. Just keep it in mind that I do know it. Um, is it made of something if you know exactly what it's made of? Okay. And made from is when you put like an A after it, made from a mm-hmm. beautiful material, made from a beautiful fabric. So in other words, fabric. if it's made of, you know what it's, you know the contents, but if it's made from, you might not know what it's, what's there. Yes. Okay. Sure. All right, we've got Sophie's answer. Hari, what do you think? I think if it's made of something, it is it is literal. It is made of that material. And you say it's made from something, it's a composite of multiple uh, materials that lead to it. So it could be made from wood, made from metal, made from other things. But you wouldn't say it's made of wood and made of metal. It's one or the other. I like that one. Okay. To me, it sounded very similar to yours, but uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, <laughs> Helen comes up with. Uh, this segment needs to be remade. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Made of indicates that the source material is essentially unchanged, like the houses of the three little pigs, where one is made of straw, one is made of stick, and one is made of bricks. In each case, those materials remain in their original state. Made from indicates that the source material has significantly changed, like cheese is made from milk or wine is made from grapes. And thank goodness they are, because I would much rather have cheese and wine than milk and grapes. That is right. Another way to think of it is how a blanket could be made from wool, but a blanket fort is made of blankets and imagination. Helen, how did our guest do? (laughs) I think Hari got one point for saying literal. You did say Mm -hmm. made of means literal. I'm not sure you quite got the made from because you said it was a composite, which isn't quite right. So, Hari, I'm going to give you one point. I'll take it. (laughs) That's very generous of you, Hari. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Hari Kundabalu has one point and Sophie Hagen has zero points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, J. Keith Van Stratton. Hi, Helen Hong. J. Keith, you know Helen's not around this week for the ads. It's me, your fiancé. Oh, Sarah, I thought you looked familiar. Yeah. Hey, what are we talking about? My favorite cereal, Magic Spoon. Oh, wait a minute. That's my favorite cereal. Ugh, we're gross. We are gross. But you know what isn't gross? Magic Magic Spoon Spoon cereal. Yes. Oh, my God. I love it so much. You love it so much. Is it really the foundation of our love? 
It could Pretty be. Pretty close. Yeah. Well, you know what? Valentine's Day is coming up. So if you want to get something wonderful for your love for Valentine's Day, get them at Magic Spoon. It's so good, guys. It's so, so good. People really enjoy it. I love it because of the great uh, flavors, and I love that it's great as a snack. I love mixing up the flavors and all that. But uh, you come from a background of, of nutrition and working out and all I'm that. I'm a certified nutrition coach, and the amount of protein that this cereal has with no grams of sugar, zero grams of sugar, and 140 calories, the whole fitness community needs to know about this. Tell them how you build your own box. Well, I personally usually do frosted peanut butter, cookies and cream, and cocoa. Ooh, but there's fruity. It's too hard to choose. And cinnamon and maple waffle. You choose your own flavors. It'll be great. Hey, honey, tell them how to get it with a special discount. Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right. And be sure to use our promo code gofact at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. How many questions? Zero. Wow. Yeah. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact to save $5 off. Thank Thank you, Magic Spoon. I'm John Moe. My show, Depression Mode, is all about mental health. And this week, I talk with Amanda Knox. She spent four years in an Italian prison for a murder she didn't commit. That's a lot of trauma, and she's okay talking about it. If I touch on something that you'd rather not get into, just say so. We'll cut the whole exchange out. But it also seems like you're pretty open, <laughs> open about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am having trouble imagining anything that you could talk to me about that (laughs) I... I know. What are we going to throw Amanda Knox with? (laughs) Depression Mode with John Moe. Only on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Hari Kondabalu and Sophie Hagen. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Hari, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie Untamed Heart, the Hindu epic Ramayana, and Weezer before the Green Album. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us why you chose the movie Untamed Heart as one of your topics. Because I obsessively saw that movie at least two, three, four times a year throughout my mid to late teens and early college. It was an embarrassing thing. I didn't want to tell other people, but yeah. (laughs) And for those who aren't familiar, can you give us a brief synopsis of what it's about? Stars Marissa Tomei, Christian Slater, Rosie Perez. Christian Slater and Marissa Tomei are the stars. He is a weird guy that thinks he has a heart made from a baboon. He's an orphan. Nuns told him some weird story, and he believes it. So basically, he has a heart issue. They work together in a restaurant. He saves her life, and they fall in love. All right, great. Next, you said you know a lot about the Hindu epic Ramayana, particularly Ramanan Sagar's miniseries version from the 1980s. Yes, one of the two great epics in Hindu literature, the other one being uh, the Mahabharata, or the Mahabharata. The Sagar version uh, was very. It was made in the 80s. It was incredibly popular. It like took over India during that period. Work would stop. People would watch like a half hour episode of it. And in the U.S., for people like me and my parents, we would get video cassettes, bootleg video cassettes that people would line up around the block in New York to get copies of to see the episode from last week. So it was this huge phenomenon. And a lot of us, I think, especially who were raised here, like 
religion and that miniseries are often the same thing. Oh, that's very cool. It's, it, it sounds similar to the Catholics who grew up having a picture of Jesus and a picture of JFK on their wall. <laughs> sort, of like, sort of like a mix there. All right, great. And then finally, you said you know a lot about Weezer before the Green Album. The first two uh, Weezer records, like I was in high school, like a lot of disgruntled Weezer fans who have this attitude, first two records defined our high school era. So we become bitter after the fact, I think in part because we're, we were obsessed with those two albums and they talked about alienation and, and love, but with a sense of humor. Oh, I became obsessed with it. They were, they were <laughs> totally what I was about. All right, well, to summarize, Howard, you said you know a lot about the movie Untamed Heart, the Hindu epic Romana, and Weezer before the Green Album. Today, we're going to quiz you about the movie Untamed Heart. Okay. Now, this is not the first time that you have shared your love for this movie. I've uh, read interviews, like in the AV Club, where you talk about it, and you did an entire audio segment about it on the public radio show, The World. You presented this as a confessional, like it's a guilty pleasure, or I, I have to admit that I love this thing. What kind of feedback did you get? Not much of any, actually. That was that, that oh. <laughs> which is kind of, you know, speaks to the fact that the film isn't like this incredible cult classic, mm-hmm. you know, because then it'd be like, oh, I love that movie. That It was like... Am I the only one? Am I the only person? I assumed when I put this out in the world, people would be like, yeah, I had the same feelings about it. And, and I watched it obsessively. And it was like, no, just me. Yeah. It, I, felt, <laughs> I felt more lonely, in fact. Oh, well, hopefully we'll have a different response from our listeners today. Uh, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite line from the movie? I'm, okay, there's this one scene. Um, they're in her bedroom after Caroline is giving Adam a haircut and they go to her bedroom, and it's kind of like the sex scene, but it's really sweet. It's it's really mm-hmm. like he obviously has never had sex before, and he like just kind of hugs her and starts crying, and it's like, oh my god, this guy like it, he just feels so strongly. And then she says, "I'm gonna fall in love with you. You don't need to love me back. I give you my heart." Mm. Looking at it as an adult, I'm like. Huh, that's probably not the healthiest way to approach a relationship. But as a 14-year-old, I'm like, that's the sweetest, most beautiful thing a human being can say to another human being. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a romance. And that's what, that's what uh, romantic people say. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic. If you want it, you'll have a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Sophie, do listen closely because you can steal if Hari gets any wrong. Sophie, by the way, how much do you know about the movie Untamed Heart? Just about nothing. Okay. <laughs> Never heard of it. Never watched it. All right. But it sounds great. It does sound great. It is great. I rewatched it this week in preparation for this. Uh, We'll see if Hari lets you in to uh, make a guess. Here is question number one, Hari, about Untamed Heart. Untamed Heart did not win any Oscars, but it did win two golden popcorn statues for Most Desirable Male and Best Kiss at the Movie Awards of what cable TV music channel? Oh, it was MTV. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. One, two of those. Fun fact, Christian Slater was nominated for Most Desirable Male for three consecutive years in 1992 for Cuffs, in 1994 for Interview with a Vampire, and winning it for Untamed Heart in 1993. All right, Hari, you're on the board in your quiz. Here's question number two. The film opens with scenes at an orphanage over an instrumental of the song Nature Boy, then quickly moves to present-day 1993 over a remixed Suzanne Vega song, an appropriate song choice given that Marissa Tomei's character works in a coffee shop. What song remixed by DNA do we hear? Tom's Diner. Ellen? 
That is correct. That is correct. Didn't have any hesitation on that. That is the song that goes do 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 do. Fun fact: that movie also features songs by Los Lobos, Cowboy Junkies, and Tim Buck Three. 1993. All right, here's question number three, Hari. Marissa Tomei's Caroline wishes on a star with the famous poem that begins, Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight, which is very sweet until Adam points out that she's not wishing on a star, but is in fact wishing on what planet? Mars. Helen? That is correct. We are rolling right along. That is Mars. Fun fact, that poem is also recited in 1940s Pinocchio in its entirety. By the way, we did an entire segment on the planet Mars with guest Hari Srinivasan on episode 87 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, you're three for three. Here's question number four. You still have two hints available. Caroline's close friend is Cindy, who, as you mentioned, is played by Rosie Perez. They mostly get along great, but they do have a bit of an argument at the coffee shop, which leads them to playfully throwing things and calling each other insulting names. But which of the following is not one of the insults used by Caroline and Cindy in this scene? Is it bitch, slut, skank, wench, or douchebag? It's the B word. It's the B word. Okay, Helen, is it the B word? It is not the B word. No, I'm sorry. Sophie with a chance to steal. Douchebag? <laughs> that's a, that's a, that is the cutest way that word has ever been said, I think, in the history of humanity. <laughs> Helen, I never thought I would say this, but Helen, douchebag? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly no. sorry. No, it was skank. Skank was not said in that. No point for either of you. Fun fact, the word wench, which was said there, goes back to the 13th century when it merely meant a girl or young woman. But by the 14th century, it was already being used as a disparaging term for a sex worker. The word douchebag dates back to the late 19th century, although it seems to be making a big comeback these days. All right, Harry, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. You still have your hints available. Caroline surprises Adam by taking him to a hockey game where he catches a puck. What are the two NHL teams playing in that game? Oh, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, finally, we got a little bit of a challenge for you. One is the Minnesota North Stars that Mm -hmm. do do not exist anymore. And the other team, God, think. Can Can I get a hint? Helen, how about that first hint? The home team is named after Polaris, a star in the North Sky. The visiting team is from Detroit and has a color in its name. Oh, it's the Minnesota North Stars and the Detroit Red Wings. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Uh, Very well done, Hari. Fun fact, as you referred to, less than a month after Untamed Heart was released, the owner of the North Stars announced he'd be moving the team to Dallas, where they became known as the Stars. They played their final game as the North Stars in April of that year. All right, Harry did very well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Hari, Untamed Heart is rightly known for its moving performances, but they wouldn't be possible without the skilled writing and direction, among other jobs. So for up to three points, who wrote Untamed Heart, who directed Untamed Heart, And what is one of the other four jobs these two people have in the credits? Oh, my God. I I can't believe I don't remember any of this. Oh, no. Um, There was a guy who had two first names as the director. It was two first names. Good old two first names. Tony Bill. Tony Bill. Okay. You're saying he's the director? Yeah. And the writer? How many first names did uh, he or she have? He had one. I think it was. It's Tom something. Tom something. Tom, like, Sergio, Sergio. Oh, 
Tom Sergio. Okay. Um, and the guesses. And then, yeah, so so again, between these two people, they uh, did four other jobs credited in the movie. Do you want to guess on any one of those? Um, cinematography. Cinematography. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. In fact, we have two. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight are the award-winning writer and award-winning director of Unmade oh Heart. Oh, my God! <laughs> who also had other credits on the film. It's Tom Sergio and Tony Bill. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! I can't believe I'm 14 right now. I, it's so nice to meet both of you. Hello, Harry. Tom and Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. So, Harry, you feel like a 14-year-old again? Uh, this is amazing. I have so many questions. Well, let's get into it. First, let me give a little more background on our two esteemed guests. Tom, you started with a background in stunts. You worked on uh, Toxic Avenger and Trainwreck, The Heat. <laughs> yes, Tony, sir. you started as an actor in such amazing films as Ice Station Zebra and Shampoo. You also directed uh, one of my favorite movies, My Bodyguard, as well as Crazy People, Flyboys. You also, by the way, won an Oscar for producing The Sting. Very nice track record for both of you, leading into this movie. Is Hari a typical fan or are there other fans? Because he seems to think that maybe he's the only one. I hope he's not the only one, but he's certainly <laughs> the most eloquent and the best memory of anybody. Possibly have. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into talking about Untamed Heart. Tom, how did the movie come to be from uh, your perspective? Well, it's a character driven movie and it started with the two characters. I had this character of Caroline who gets dumped on in every relationship she's ever been in. And then I had this this strange character of Adam who it was if you ever seen the movie Birdie with Matthew Modine and Nicolas Cage, he was a little bit like that where he was just like this loner and this this kind of like odd bird. And I think the first incarnation, she was a hooker from Newark. Oh jeez. <laughs> and he was uh yeah, just this kind of odd person who had a heart transplant as a kid and couldn't get close to anybody. And I, I stuck the two together and it it became the Babylon Heart, which was the original. Original it's the original title. title, yeah. And uh, did, did I read correctly that uh, one of the reasons it's set in Minnesota was not necessarily a creative choice? It was more of a practical one? Yes, you're absolutely correct. We're chasing down winter, and they didn't feel that uh, MGM is they. They didn't feel that and New Jersey had enough snow. And uh, as it turns out, when we went to Minneapolis, they had a early spring, and there was no snow anyway. <laughs> oh, no. And it was snowing in New Jersey. <laughs> By the way, the, the baboon heart, the allusion to having a baboon heart, derives from a, a real incident, a real uh, occasion here in right. Southern California when a hospital here implanted a baboon's heart in response to somebody's having a, a failed heart. And, and instead of an artificial heart, they tried to see if that would work. And it actually did work for a while. Oh, wow. I believe her name was Baby Faye. And actually, I think after I had the two characters, there was the Paul Simon song, The Boy in the Bubble. Mm-hmm. And there's a line and it says the boy in the bubble and the baby with the baboon heart. Right. I guess I had the two characters and a title. <laughs> <laughs> I, for one, very reluctantly uh, gave up to the pressure from MGM to say you can't call it the baboon heart because everybody will think it's about a, a heart transplant. Mm. And that's a good reason. But uh, I thought the title baboon heart was a fabulously poetic title. Tony, how did you come to direct the film and how did you two work together to make it the lovely movie that it became? First of all, we did work together. Tom was there. Tom was a part of the production. Unlike most films, the writer was welcome to be on the set. Mm. We just fell in love with this script 
and in an unusual uh, and ironic event, we gave it to the studio and they said, we want to make the movie. Mm. If I could jump in at Tony, the most gracious director you'll ever want to work with. Any screenwriter out there would be more than blessed to work with this guy. He, he's a writer's dream. He really is. And, and just a beautiful person. Same with his wife, Helen. I miss you, Tony. And we miss you too, Tony. You're too far Let's talk a little bit about Rosie Perez. Ari mentioned how wonderful uh, she was and, and uh, she had this very colorful language. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Marissa Tomei was obviously doing a Minnesota accent to be in this Minnesota film. Rosie Perez was just being Rosie Perez, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. There are so many great lines that she had. That scene, it sort of starts in the middle. Was that something that was in the script? I don't believe so. And and when they're having their volley back and forth with, mm-hmm. with the names, I don't think I ever wrote douchebag. <laughs> you didn't. Okay, that just, that just showed up. But I do believe I wrote Skank, which was not in there. Not in there. No, didn't make the final <laughs> cut. Well, you know, actors. If Rosie, Rosie definitely put her spin on, on, on a couple of the lines. Yeah. But Harry, let me tell you something. Um, I, did, I was not familiar with your work until this show. And I've been watching you and I am knocked out. I am oh. sending everybody I know a flash notice that they haven't discovered you. They better. And watching I agree. You, Watching you makes me think about something about this movie that might uh, kind of resonate. I thought, wouldn't it have been interesting to cast this as two racially different people? Yes. Two people who don't share an ethnic or religious or social background. And why not? One of them's a waitress. The other one's a busboy. I mean, we're better to to yeah. find those kind of disparate people than in a little cafe. And it would have been a very interesting casting choice. And, and to tell you the truth, I never considered it. Uh, Tom, I'm ready to write that with you if Tony's set to direct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you two gentlemen here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Hari. First, we wanted to know who wrote Untamed Heart. Helen, what did Hari say? Hari said Tom Sergio. And Tom? Yes, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely That's right, me. yes. A point for there for Hari, of course. Next, we want to know who directed Untamed Heart. Helen, what did Hari say? Hari said Tony Bill. And Tony? Got to admit, that's my real name, and he was correct. He was correct. Very good. Another point if, for Hardy. If I could jump in, a little Please. trivia about Tony Bill. I believe it was Paramount. They did a little bit of a um, promotion reel with Tony, and it was called The Boy With Two First Names. <laughs> right, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> that's and so it's great. Funny. You can see it on YouTube. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It was a good mnemonic. It helped Harry remember. So great. Another yes. point there for Hari. And finally, we wanted to know, what is one of the other four jobs that these two people have? in the credits. Helen, what did Hari say? Hari said cinematographer. And uh, gentlemen? Hari, Hari, uh, Hari. (laughs) (laughs) No, you were able to pull these names but weren't able to get that one. Uh, Tony, who was your cinematographer on Untamed Heart? He was Joost Vacano, who Ah. was a a wonderful uh, German photographer who uh, doesn't do and didn't do many movies and had never done a small, intimate movie like Untamed Heart. Well, it is really beautifully shot. Everyone looks like they're ready to fall in love in this film. I mean, it's so gorgeously shot. I'm sorry, no point there, though, for Hari. Correct answers was uh, one of you was the stunt coordinator. That was Tom. One of you was an actor in the film. That was Tom playing the role of Ronnie toward the end of the film. One of you was an associate producer on the film. That also was Tom. And one of you was a plain old producer on the film. And that was Tony. Wow, a lot of different roles. Hari, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask to our experts while we have them here? 
Wait, so Tom, when you were playing that role, did you improvise the line about your dad's hardware store and how you could get, if you ever need anything? No, I thought of the cheesiest line this guy could say. <laughs> it's absolutely and I perfect. Said it. Very, very nice. It's been so wonderful to uh, have you join us and to see that big smile on Hari's face. Tom and uh, Tony, people want to find out more about you or your work. Where can they do that? I know you've got a, Tom, you've got a big movie coming out soon. I have a film, Gasoline Alley, starring Bruce Willis. I'm not sure when it's coming out. And I have, I've, I've turned to writing novels and I, I wrote a few, a uh, few books that are available on Amazon. Um, the latest running with the pack. It's, it's, it's about takes place in 1961. A hitman from New Jersey escapes the mob and flees to Las Vegas where he befriends the rat pack and Tony Bill. In one of his first movies, 1963, Come Blow Your Horn with Frank Sinatra. Oh, my goodness. The connections. That's wonderful. Tony, I understand you're working on a bunch of projects that uh, you can't discuss exactly quite yet. I can only discuss the one that mo is most promising, which is a limited series about the California gold rush. Oh, very and cool. I wrote a book that's been doing very, very well for a while now called Movie Speak, which is a, a history of the language of, of the movie set. Oh, the wow. Well, I can't imagine a more qualified person for that, and I can't imagine more qualified people for this topic. We're so happy that you joined us today. It's Tom Sergio and Tony Bill. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having for us. together. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Hari Kondabolu has seven points, and Sophie Hagen has zero points with a round of questions for Sophie coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Sophie about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Sophie and Hari will go head-to-head -head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Sarah, you are back for this ad, and I'm so glad you are, because when we went to see your parents for the Christmas holiday, sure, they loved seeing me show up. Sure, they loved seeing you show up. What else did they love seeing show up at their house? A massive box of meat. Of meat! Oh, and where did that massive box of meat come from? Butcher Box. That's right, Butcher Box. It's a subscription service that takes the guesswork out of finding high quality meat. Their sourcing decisions are made holistically, keeping the farmer, the planet, the, the animal, animal, and your family in mind. But the most important thing is, it is high quality meat. L let's talk about the meats that were in this box. So there were hot dogs. Yes. There was bacon, which yes. we ate. All of yes, very in quickly. the first day. Ground beef, ground steaks, beef, chicken, chicken wings, yeah. chicken tenders. And we barely got, we were there a week. We maybe got through a little more than half of it. There's so much stuff. Every single thing was incredible quality. And it was so easy to prepare. I mean, these were really good cuts of meat. But the chicken wings, I couldn't believe how great they were and how simple it was to prepare. We watched it while watching a football, a, a football game. It was perfect. And it was packed and shipped incredibly. And what you may not realize is that that box was 100% recyclable. So even <gasps> though they're sending this frozen food around the country, none of it will go to waste. It's amazing. Every month, Butcher Box ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home with free shipping in the continental U.S. And each box contains between 8 to 14 pounds of meat, depending on the box you choose. That's enough for 24 individual meals. And you can customize your own box or go with one of theirs. Plus, they recently added seafood. So if you want to add that into your meat mix, you can. That's perfect for me. Yeah. Either way, you get exactly what you want. For a limited time, ButcherBox is offering new members a great deal for the new year. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash GoFact and you'll receive the ultimate New Year's bundle in your first box. This deal includes ground beef, chicken thighs, and pork butt. That's more than seven pounds of meat added to your first box for free. Get this New Year's bundle before it's gone by going to butcherbox.com slash gofact. What is it again? 
ButcherBox.com slash GoFact. Yeah. Expand your meat portfolio. Go to ButcherBox. Thank you, ButcherBox. No, really, thank you. That was incredible. Nom, 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 nom. That too. This episode is sponsored in part by Feels CBD. That's Feels, F-E-A-L-S, and CBD, I'm going to go with CBD. Hey, you know, CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel, the stress, the anxiety, the pain. You know, if you're trying to relieve pain or nervousness or sleeplessness without the harmful side effects, Feels is a better way to feel better. You probably heard about a lot of CBD products. Well, Feels is a premium CBD that will help keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. All you have to do is place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you can find your perfect dose. It really is customizable. They sent me a flight of CBDs to make sure I chose the one that worked best for me. So start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash gofact and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash gofact to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash gofact. Thank you, Feels. It feels weird to do that alone. For over a decade, MaxFunCon has been an incredible weekend of learning, connecting, and laughing with folks in the MaxFun community. And, if all goes according to plan, the last regularly scheduled MaxFunCon will take place in Lake Arrowhead from June 3rd to June 5th, 2022. We have a very limited number of tickets remaining. To make them available to the maximum number of people, we'll be opening our waitlist for tickets on January 23rd at 5pm Pacific. That'll be your chance to be first in line to purchase tickets, and we'll go down the waitlist until we're at capacity. More details at maxfuncon.com. And mark your calendars for Sunday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Hari Kandabolu and Sophie Hagen. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. All right, Sophie, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Danish movie, Say It For Us. Kalle Hilperfilm. Right. The musical, Say It For Us. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Never would have gotten that. And the Irish boy band Westlife through 2004. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us about this fabulous Danish movie, Love on Film. Kalilba Film has one of my favorite tropes, which is person who is very comfortable in their life, but they want more, like they want excitement. Mm. So they mm. do something drastic. And I don't know why, but ever since I first saw American Beauty, I've loved that in films. You know, someone just having a nice time, but just having this internal urge to destroy what they've got going for them. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds fantastic. We, I gotta <laughs> see that one. All right, you also said you know a lot about the musical Phantom of the Opera. When I first moved to London, I moved to London because I was dating a guy who was a musical theater actor in Denmark. Oh. And it was his favorite musical. So when he dumped me, I mean, I say dumped, <laughs> he says we never dated. That was a whole other thing. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to take oh. revenge by going, ah, I'm just going to go to London and watch all of your favorite musicals. Suck it. So I did. <laughs> and then I watched 
Phantom. Wait, so you did not move to a new city in a new country with him. Oh, no, no, you no. You moved to a new city in a new country to spite him? Yes, exactly. I'm glad you understand you are, me. You are literally my new favorite human on Earth. I could like, see you in Danish theater, or I could go to the West End and see musicals. Yeah. So, Sophie, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what the fan of the opera musical means to you? I've always been the kind of person who would empathize with the person who is like Eric, you know, the sort of monster, the misunderstood artist. There's this like anger. And da- I, I see this like going through with the Danish film as well. Like there's a darkness <laughs> that I'm really into. All right. Well, speaking of darkness, you also said you know a lot about the Irish boy band Westlife through 2004. Yes, because like with Harry and Weezer, Westlife sang a lot about love. However, without the sense of humor. It was very serious. I discovered them, I think, when I was 12, 13, and was just... I was the biggest Westside fan in Denmark. I would physically, like, chase them when they were in Denmark. I would get in cars and say, follow that van, and... No yeah, Oh, yeah, car, full-on car chases wow. when I was 13. I no. would get into their hotel and, like, hide in the bathroom. And You were okay. a 13-year-old stalker. Oh, absolutely. Professional. <laughs> wow. All right, well, to summarize, you said you know a lot about the Danish movie. I'm going to try one last time. Kerlepa film, the (laughs) musical (laughs) phantom of the opera, and the Irish boy band Westlife through 2004. Today we want to quiz you about the musical phantom of the opera. Okay, okay. All right. Okay. When did you last see it, and how many times do you think you have seen Phantom of the Opera? I think I've seen it live three times, Mm -hmm. and I've probably seen the 25th, Jubilee recording 50, 60 times, maybe? Oh, gosh. Okay. And, and wow. it's been, I've listened to it on repeat for, I mean, almost 10 years now. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Uh, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite line from Phantom of the Opera? Ooh, I think my favorite scene is when she kisses him. Spoiler That's alert. Nice. In case anyone yes. hasn't <laughs> yet. <laughs> Spoiler alert, a romantic <laughs> musical from over 30 years ago, there is a kiss. All right, Sophie, well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Harid, do listen closely, because if Sophie answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, how much do you know about the musical Phantom of the Opera? I've been meaning to see it for many years now, so... (laughs) This might finally put you over the edge, huh? All right. Uh, Sophie, I think it's your competition to lose. Let's see uh, how you do. Here's question number one. Lots of people are referred to as musical theater royalty, but not many can claim lordship, as could the composer of Phantom of the Opera. Not only was he knighted by the queen, but he was later rewarded peerage, making him a lord. What is the name of this much-honored Brit? Andrew Lloyd Webber? Helen? That is correct. Yeah. That is correct, okay. Andalloyd Weber, for the point. Very good. Okay. Fun fact, in 2017, Weber actually quit the House of Lords because he was too busy working on his music to attend votes on Brexit. But I'm sure that worked out just fine. <laughs> All right, here's question number two. Phantom of the Opera is famous not only for its songs, but for its stunning set design, originally done by Maria Bjornsson. Most famously, Bjornsson is credited for designing what enormous item that plunges over the audience at the end of Act One. Oh, I can't pronounce that word. Sh- chandelier? Oh, now you know how I feel when I'm trying to pronounce a, a Danish movie. <laughs> Helen? 
<laughs> that is correct. That is correct. It is Chandelier. You pronounced it beautifully. Fun fact for her work on Phantom, Maria Bjornsson won the Tony Award for set design and for costume design. To honor her, the word Maria can be seen inscribed on the chandelier in several productions of the show. Aww. You are two for two, Sophie. Here's question number three. The Phantom demands that a certain box of seats must always be left empty for him. Which box is it? I'm trying to remember the, the you must the, the box. Is it box A? Is that a thing? I want to say box A. Helen, is it box A? It is not box A. No, I'm terribly sorry. Harry, with a chance to steal. Uh, is it the royal box? Helen? It is not the royal box. Not the royal box. No, we were looking for box five. Box five is the box, box reserved five. for him. Oh, I can I hear yes. it now. Fun fact, by our count, Box 5 is spoken five times in the script and sung once. The Phantom also demands a salary of 20,000 francs to be paid to him each month, which you think you could use that to buy a box to the theater, but not my business. No point there for either of you. Let's see if you can bounce back with question number four, Sophie. You do have your two hints available. Act 2 opens with the song Masquerade, whose lyrics celebrate the paper faces on parade and the many hues of those costumes. But which of the following is not a colorful lyric in the song? Is it Flash of Mauve, Trace of Rouge, Splash of Puce, Lips of Red, or Thigh of Blue? Sophie silently <laughs> singing the song to herself, enjoying enjoying. I'm very happy that it's quietly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can I have a hint? Yes, you would like a hint. Uh, Helen, what is that hint? Splash of puce is a lyric in the song. What was the one with something with, uh, the one with lip? Lips of red? I think so. That's the one that sounds the simplest. Okay, so you're going to say lips of red? Yeah. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. That was just guessing. That was a very good guess, a very educated guess, because that was that didn't quite fit in with the others. Fun fact, also in the lyrics are an eye of gold, grinning yellows, and spinning reds. All right, here's question number five. Phantom of the Opera won seven Tony Awards, including one for Andrew Bridge. For what category did Andrew Bridge win? You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. Yeah, let me get get the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? It would be hard to see the show without his designs. <laughs> see the guy who pulls the curtain to the side. <laughs> we all um, know what a competitive to- Tony category that is for the person who pulls the curtains aside. See the, without- it would be hard to see the show the light person helen is it the light person <laughs> i'll give it to you it's yes. lighting design lighting yeah. designer that's yes that's, that's what yes. it's called in that's denmark you... light person yes exactly I, under- I understood that must be the case that's right he is the lighting designer uh very good for the point fun fact andrew bridge would go on to win two more tony awards for his lighting design for sunset boulevard and fossey all right sophie you ended up doing very well in that but here now is your high level question that requires multiple answers it is time for your cluster fact <laughs> We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Sophie, Phantom of the Opera is one of the rare musicals that spawned a sequel, a sequel that opened in London's West End nearly 25 years after the original. Even rarer, both shows featured more than one person's lyrics, with one lyricist contributing to both shows. Even rarer still, that sequel's leading lady played the role of Christine in Phantom on Broadway after she'd originated the character in the sequel in London. 
So here's your question. For up to three points, what is the title of the Phantom of the Opera sequel? Who is the person credited with writing lyrics on both the original Phantom and that sequel? And who played Christine in the sequel and on Broadway and in that 25th anniversary TV special from London's Royal Albert Hall that you happened to mention earlier? So the sequel is called Love Never Dies. Okay. The actress, I believe, is Sierra Burgess. Burgess? Burgess? Another name I can't pronounce. (laughs) Kana. The lyricist, I uh, is it Jim Steinman? Jim Steinman. Okay. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. In fact, we have two. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor and singer whose many Broadway and West End credits include playing Christine in Phantom of the Opera and its sequel, and a lyricist and songwriter whose many credits include writing lyrics for Phantom of the Opera and its sequel. It's Sierra Boggess (gasps) and Charles Hart. Oh, sorry, Charles. Oh, my God, Sierra. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, Charles. I'm so sorry. That's okay. A lot of people mistake me for Jim Steinman, you know. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you did not write Total Eclipse of the Heart. No, just... I didn't write any meatloaf numbers at all. No. Oh. <laughs> I just wish I had. <laughs> so tell us about how the, how the two of you uh, first got to know each other and how you've worked together. I think the first time we worked together was for the 25th anniversary when Charles came in for Love Never Dies to help with adding more things lyrically and making it more similar also, I feel like, to what the original was. I just think Charles is awesome. Just like the energy and the love and just, it just always felt so good that you were in the room. Well, I love being part of it. Thank you so much for that. And I was remembering, Sierra, about the failed, the sad failed French production of the show. Oh, yes. You know? Yes, and it, it failed gone. for a very unusual reason in the theater. Tell, tell us what happened, Sierra. <laughs> it caught on fire. It caught off Lambe. Yes. <laughs> What? Yes, it was Theatre Flambe, oh, I believe, as it you It really said. was. No. And you'd gone to the, you'd gone to the absolutely uh, a ridiculous trouble of learning French specifically for the show, had you not? Yeah, what? learning all of these lyrics in French. And then on day three or four of the tech rehearsals, and we get the call saying that the stage is on fire. How dare the stage light on fire after you learn right, French? Exa- Amen. And also it's like, how very phantom. It's so something he would do. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. But Sierra, you did a fantastic rendition of one of the numbers at Her Majesty's Theatre. <gasps> yes, um, for the 30th anniversary. The next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've also seen a clip where you sing in Japanese as well. Yeah, I, And that's just because when I concert around the world, I always hate you know, being an American. We never have to learn another language, which I think is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So when I go and sing in other countries, I feel like let me at least <gasps> sing a tiny bit, like do what I can. It's something. It's not mm-hmm. a lot, but it's it's something. You both have had such amazing careers with uh, great accolades. Both of you have been nominated for Tony and Olivier Awards. Charles, you were also nominated for an Oscar for the uh, added song to the Phantom of the Opera movie. Charles, your writing also includes aspects of love as well as several songs and uh, work in the opera. Sierra, your Broadway credits also include School of Rock, Masterclass, and you made your uh, Broadway debut as uh, Ariel in The Little Mermaid. So you are not afraid to take on challenging roles, whether it's singing very high notes or having your legs uh, look like a fish. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Now, you both worked on multiple shows with Andrew Lloyd Webber. How does working with uh, Lord Webber compare to working with other composers? It's always been easy. He's very, very energetic. Mm. He's 
he he's exhausting. He's crazed. He's demonic. He's interesting. Now we're getting into I'm not, it. I'm not speaking out of turn. He knows all those things. <laughs> there is a little of the phantom in him, yes. And that makes for a thrilling journey, you know. Sierra, you recently released an album full of musical theater songs from classic as well as contemporary. Uh, tell us about this record called Together at a Distance. I recorded this album with Julian Avenden, who is a dear friend of mine who I actually met while I was doing Love Never Dies. And we sang together at Royal Albert Hall, all these amazing classic songs and with uh, this 110 piece orchestra. And during this pandemic, we miss singing with each other. And so that's why it's called Together at a Distance because he recorded his stuff in London. I recorded mine in New York. It's just been a fabulous thing to create together while it's been such a tough time for everybody. The arrangements and, and, and the, the level of emotion you both bring to it is really special. You, of course, also record one of Charles's songs uh, on there as oh, well right, as uh, several right. others. Yeah, so we recorded All I Ask of You. As many times as I've done the show, I've never gone into the studio and recorded All I Ask of You. Or Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and so we wanted to have like an in-studio recording of this. I mean, obviously, like our the album that you can listen to of the 25th anniversary, but that's it's all live. And so it was really nice to be right. able to just go be in the studio and do that. You also record a couple of Stephen Sondheim songs. We recently, of course, lost Mr. Sondheim. And Charles, you actually had an early correspondence with Stephen Sondheim. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, he was a huge figure in my life. One of the reasons, perhaps the reason, really, that I, that I wanted to get involved in musical theater. And um, yeah, very early on, I um, sent him a a very tentative demo tape. Remember those? Back in the day? <laughs> he was cautiously encouraging. He, he was that sort of a man. But uh, it meant a great deal. To, I got to know him better over the years. And uh, it's very hard to believe he's not around anymore. Mm. It really is. And I think it's so interesting. So many of the posts uh, I saw weren't just people celebrating how great his music was, but talking about exactly that, how he was a champion for up and coming lyricists and composers in musical theater. We've talked a bunch about this 25th anniversary concert and uh, live stream that was from Royal Albert Hall. And in fact, uh, Sophie, when I was doing some research, I saw that you had posted about (laughs) that concert when you were telling people an example of the kind of musical theater recordings that people should get into. uh, And you talk about uh, how beautiful it was in all all caps. And I know, Sierra, I read uh, that uh, you said this was one of the most artistically fulfilling moments of your career. Uh, can you articulate at all uh, what was so fulfilling about it besides just the obvious? Well, I guess? Yes, because this was a unique situation in which we're taking this piece of theater that people have known for 25 years and we are streaming this live to cinemas around the world simultaneously. So all of us as actors knew what pressure was on us. That live stream meant like that was, I saw it live in the tiniest of cinemas in Berlus in Denmark oh my God. with my mother. My mom, at this point, were very poor and my mom has never been to the theater before. She would never even be able to afford to go into Copenhagen to a proper theater. Yeah. So it's the first time she's seen a musical live. Yeah. So to sit there with my mother in the cinema wow. on like a much bigger screen on the TV and watch like you and Hattie Fraser and Ramin and just... Oh, it was a huge experience. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love hearing that. Uh, last thing I want to ask is, Charles, I can't imagine that you thought people would still be talking about and still be emotionally affected by this work from so long ago. But I, I am curious, what, what does it mean to you that so many people are? Among other things, apart from being something that I'm proud of, something I'm astonished by, something I'm very grateful for, it also makes me feel incredibly old. <laughs> <laughs> That's very honest. I appreciate that. No, uh, the, thing, the astonishing thing to me was that I wasn't fired off the project, but they couldn't, you know. So 
I'm here for a while. <laughs> and here we are indeed. All right. Well, there's so much we could talk about, but let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question we asked of Sophie. First, we wanted to know, what is the title of the Phantom of the Opera's sequel? Helen, what did Sophie say? Sophie said, love never dies. And was she correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. So Sierra giving a little shimmy with that uh, correct answer. Very good. That is a point for Sophie. Uh, Next, we want to know who is the person credited with writing lyrics on both the original Phantom and that sequel. Helen, what did Sophie say? Sophie said Jim Steinman. And Mr. Hart? Well, it's incorrect, but I I can't blame her. Um, Even I forget lyricist names. And Jim Steinman wrote... (laughs) Music and lyrics for another musical starring Michael Crawford, which was Dance of the Vampires. So there's a there's a lot of crossover in the Venn diagram of lyrics. A very reasonable <laughs> wrong answer, but still a wrong answer. And then uh, finally, we wanted to know who played Christine in the sequel and on Broadway and in the 25th anniversary TV special from London's Royal Albert Hall. Helen, what did Sophie say? Sophie said Sierra Bogus. And Sierra? That is correct. And you pronounced my name correctly, Sophie. Oh, yay! Yay. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Yeah. You could give her a bonus point, but I don't know if you'd want to go that far. I would. Well, you're the expert. All right, a bonus point for Sophie Hagen. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Before we let you go, Sophie, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to our experts while we have them here? Yeah, I have hours and hours worth of questions, but I'll I'll (laughs) narrow it down. Let's choose one. I know. I'll choose one. Love Never Dies, I think, is very underrated. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was a phenomenal musical but it was also so different from phantom right and because it just goes so dark you know raul's an alcoholic meg has a meltdown yeah so how did that feel to have to change and especially when you got to work with sierra when you got to work with ramin again and he had to make this extra version of phantom so yeah just basically all your feelings about love never dies (laughs) (laughs) I do. I loved it because, first of all, our director was Jack O'Brien, who's one of my favorite directors that I've ever worked with. And I think that he helped us so much piece together why things were, you know, we're filling in answers to questions that people have based on this original show that people love so much. Yeah. And Charles, anything you'd like to add? Well, I have mixed feelings about it. And I, I have sort of contradictory feelings. For the first, my first feeling was I was relieved not to be asked to be involved in it because I didn't really want to be want to revisit that material and those characters. And then I was also relieved to be asked to be involved later on. So, you know, I was glad to be involved. But I I don't think I would have wanted to go on the whole journey creatively with it because it's a long slog and it's a different, as Sierra says, it's a very different story. I kind of would want to have been involved with other characters. New character. That's very honest. That's very honest of you. I appreciate it. We thank you so much for joining us, Charles. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? I could give them my phone number, but I don't know. Oh, okay. (laughs) Great. Do do I have a website? No, I don't. No, but people can very easily find you online and we'll look forward to your next project. Uh, Sierra, where can people find you and your work and uh, this wonderful record you made? SierraVogus.com. Sierra. I have to say, because I've been obsessed since you mentioned that you know you knew the lyrics to Phantom in Japanese at one point. Yes. Do you remember any of it? Uh, <laughs> oh my wow. god. Oh and with that, I'm mind I told, blown. Well, uh, origato to both of you. Thank you so much for joining. It was really a, a pleasure and a treat. And uh, as you can tell, Sophie also is especially moved by your being here. So we're so grateful to have you. It's Charles Hart and Sierra Bogas, everybody. So nice to meet you, Sophie. 
You too, Sierra. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sophie. And um, will you will you please stalk me now? I will always know about you from now on. Yeah. I will never stop talking about <laughs> yeah. you. All right, Helen, what is our score as we go into the final round? Jay Keith, it is a tie right Whoa. now. Whoa! Both Hari Kondabolu and Sophie Hagen have seven points each. Wow, and Sophie, you were down uh, at zero when we started your segment, so very, very well done indeed. What a great game. But now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with her and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Hari, there's a streaming content service called Peacock. True. Correct. Sophie, there's a streaming content service called Hulu. True. Correct. Hari, there's a streaming content service called Hubi, H-U-B-I. False. Correct. Sophie, there's a streaming content service called Tubi, T-U-B-I. False. Incorrect. No, there really is. Hari, there's a streaming content service called Mubi, M-U-B-I. True. Correct. Sophie, there's a streaming content service called Booby, B-U-B-I. False. Correct. Yeah, but I know a lot of people who would watch it, yeah. Uh, Hurry, there's a streaming content service called Redbox. True. Correct. Sophie, there's a streaming content service called Brownbox. False. Incorrect. No, there really is. Brownbox. Brownbox, yes. Hurry, there's a streaming content service called Brown Rice. False. Correct. Sophie, there's a streaming content service called Brown Sugar. Uh, True. Correct. Hurry, Brown Sugar specializes in shows about baking. False. Correct. Sophie, Brown Sugar specializes in shows about streaming content services. True? Incorrect. And finally, Hari, Brown Sugar specializes in shows about game shows with true or false rounds. False. Correct. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're waiting for one that does so we can be on it. Uh, let's give a nice thank you to Sophie and Hari. We're not going to count those last few. By the way, Brown Sugar specializes in black cinema, or as they say, the baddest movies. All right, Helen, are you ready to announce the final score of today's show? I am. At the end of the game, Hari Kondabolu has 12 points and Sophie Hagen has 10 points. Oh, congratulations, Hari. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? Uh, I am going to uh, ask you to give me Tony Bill and Tom Sergio's emails, and I'm going to email them. Excellent. Uh, an excellent use of your newfound power and fame. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap things up by giving everyone here a chance to promote anything they might like to do. Hurry, what do you have going on? Where can people find your work? My Netflix special, Warn Your Relatives, obviously still available, and also The Problem with Apu, my documentary, is on HBO Max. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Hari Kondabolu. We appreciate it. Uh, Sophie Hagen, what a pleasure. Where can people find out what you're up to? Uh, YouTube, Sophie Hagen, uh, Generation Boy Band. You can also find it on my website, sophiehagen.com, and that's S-O-F-I-E-H-A-G-E-N.com. Excellent. We thank you so much for joining us all the way from the United Kingdom. Helen Hong, you are my hosting partner. You have wonderful things that people want to see. Where can people find those wonderful things? You can follow me on the socials at funny Helen Hong, because that other Helen Hong, we all know, she's not funny. Nope. Not funny. If it's not your Twitter handle, it is definitely not true. Mm-hmm. Helen Hong, everybody. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Hari Kondabolu, Sophie Hagen, Tom Sergio, Tony Bill, Charles Hart, Sierra Bogus, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday. Again. Maybe. Yeah. Why not? 
It'll be free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Sean Keeley did on Podchaser. He, she, or they said, one of my favorite podcasts to put on during the weekend. Fun to hang out with Jay, Keith, and Helen, and I always come away learning something I didn't know. Me too, Sean Keeley. Like, I didn't know that we hung out. Cool. Helen? (laughs) Thanks, Sean. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes around the world. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's show engineer is Alex Adan. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher and Leora Saul plus Meg Masserson and Katie McDougal. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Aparna Mukherjee, Raven Snook, Sarah Rodenbach, Jason Kravitz, Dave Bianchi, and Christine Velada. Special thanks to Concord Theatricals and Craft Recordings. The new album, Together at a Distance, from Sierra Bogus and Julian Ovenden, can be streamed or downloaded wherever you listen to your music. More special thanks to Chris Quayle and Flora Donald. Maddie O'Dwyer and Mark Berlin at Berlin Associates, Kinsley Sewer, and this episode is dedicated to the memory of Charlie Sullivan, who helped make it possible for us to do our shows when we visited Chicago. Thanks again, Charlie. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go sing Phantom in Japanese! <laughs> or We don't know how! Oh boy, wait, how to sing or how to do the Japanese? Neither! Oh boy. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported